Hello, I'm Rebecca, the founder of Trio, and welcome to Pep Talks with Trio. Trio is the leading solution for workplaces to support their people during every life transition, from starting a family to retiring, and every life event in between. On Pep Talks with Trio, we chat to our expert partners for advice on how to best navigate these common, complex, and often messy life stages that happen during our working career. Keep listening as we connect the dots between life and work with the simple aim of education and empowerment. After all, life happens at work. Today on Pep Talks with Trio, we're speaking with Lisa Saunders, nutritional food and health coach and co-founder of Own Your Health Collective. We're going to be discussing women's health and in particular, perimenopause and beyond in the workplace. Lisa, welcome. Firstly, hello. Rebecca. How are you? Thanks for having me on. It's great to have you. I've been waiting to speak to you. Firstly, could you tell us a bit about yourself and the work that you do? Well, thank you. I will. Um, So as you mentioned, I'm a nutritional health educator and certified nutrition food health coach. Um, I'm an advocate for whole health learning and deeply passionate um, about women's health in particular. And as you mentioned, I co-own a business, Own Your Health Collective, with my business partner, Natalie Moore. Now, we um, we work with various um, uh, women, men, and especially workplaces, be they private, public, or government run, to help them create an environment where health and well-being becomes a key focus so their people and businesses can thrive. Um, and as you hinted at, we have a particular interest in supporting and guiding women back to themselves during these formative years, um, living and working years, especially in that perimenopause and beyond phase. And we help women, uh, be it individually or through workplaces, develop whole health lifestyle plans around that innate biology that affords them the opportunity to really explore um, the advantages of their life cycles and how that transcends within their lives, their careers and their health. And That's it in a nutshell, really. Amazing. Well, I think the first thing we should start off with, and I should know this because I am actually entering this perimenopause phase of my life. You're not alone. alone. (laughs) What is perimenopause and what is menopause? Okay. So I might start with what menopause is. Yeah. So, and then I'll go back and you'll see the connection. So menopause is defined as the last or um, final menstrual period that a woman experiences. It's essentially the conclusion of your reproductive years. It's where the ovaries start start producing those um, hormones known as estrogen and progesterone. And so essentially it occurs when you haven't had a period for 12 months. But you won't know this until the 12 months has passed. So it occurs retrospectively. So um, you know, we'll speak to women that goes, oh, but then I got my period at eight months ago. Yeah, well, you've got to go all the way back to the start and count down now. Like, you can't just, you know, which is really frustrating, right, because you probably yeah. really enjoy not having, you know, a monthly period by that yeah. time, I would imagine. So after that, a woman is actually um, classified as postmenopausal and the average age is around that 50 to 52. It can be earlier and it can be later. So perimenopause um, menopause doesn't just happen. There's obviously a lead up to it that's called perimenopause. And um, it's quite funny because a lot of women think that perimenopause is menopause. They say, oh, I'm in menopause. But usually it's, you know, 
they're still going through these ups and downs that perimenopause is famous for uh, as far from an, um, a hormonal state and what our body's experiencing. So um, it's that transition to the day of menopause. It can take on average five to eight years to happen and it varies again from woman to woman. Some women can be 10 years. You know, I, I myself, I'm 52 and I, I can really pinpoint when I think I started in perimenopause, you know, with having the benefit of hindsight and I reckon I was around 42. So I'm not menopausal just yet. So the, um, you're saying the perimenopause phase could last up to 10 years? Yep. And, and for some it could be five. It just very nice. is very individual. And, and this is, you know, a reason that we'll talk about, um, but it's really important that women are talking about this because it can be really um, um, hard for some women to go through and it's such a long time that we're experiencing it as well. So it will generally start on average in your mid to late 40s, um, but for some it can start to whisper in their late 30s. And I always say be aware of the whispers because the whispers are things that just start having you think, oh, that's unusual, that hasn't happened before or I'm a little bit late or early with my period or it's a little bit longer or shorter or it can be that you've got this big mood disturbance that comes out of the blue. It's just little whispers that start coming through and really important to take notice of them. So, so just on that, just yeah, on those whispers, are there any other symptoms outside of your period or changes in your menstrual cycle, is is there anything else that we should be aware of that might be like, oh, this could be a sign? My next point, actually. Okay. Um, so other symptoms can be, there's like 35 plus symptoms that can be, you know, perimenopause and menopause. How lucky are we? <laughs> um, so that includes things like hot flushes. Uh, night sweats, breast tenderness can be a really, really big one, especially before your period. It's a, it's a big giveaway um, and even more than what you may have experienced previously. Irritability, sleep difficulties is another one, um, changes in libido, changes in weight. Um, they're just a few. So, you know, I'm not painting a great picture here, but the work that we do is all about helping women um, through that lifestyle element to actually be able to um, you know, to, to deal with those in addition to any medicalization um, avenues that they want to um, to explore. And, you know, that's I'm not a doctor, but they work, hand, you know, we work in hand in hand with doctors and specialists yeah. around that as well. Um, so as I mentioned, that one of the biggest hotels is that change in periods. You know, there might, there might be some irregularities that, you know, especially you've been really regular through most of your life. Um, Many women describe it as being very unpredictable and no two bodies are the same. So what you feel can be very different to what other women feel. Um, and, you know, there's about 20% of women from, if I remember the stats correctly, that don't have any symptoms at all. And I'm a little bit jealous of those yeah. women just quietly. <laughs> yeah, but, how can I know, be one of those women? <laughs> that's it. And I, I think what, the, what I find is... Um, I don't know if it's sad is the right word, is that women aren't educated on this and they don't know what these symptoms are. And often them, some will think I'm losing my mind, there's something wrong with me. It can, it, it can definitely affect our mental and brain health because the changes in estrogen and progesterone that we um, experience through this time has a really big bearing on our brain health. And, in fact, there's been some really amazing um uh, evidence and research has just come out of uh, Monash Uni 
um, e explaining how that uh, dip in estrogen can be really, really um, crucial in relation to a woman's mental health and dementia and things like that. So it's, you know, it pays to be looking after ourselves mm -hmm. as early as we can be, you know, through our puberty, menstrual years. But, you know, let's mm -hmm. be honest, it's really not high on the priority of a lot of women that early. But the sooner that you look after yourself around understanding your body and what you put into it and how you move and sleep, the, you know, the better the transition into perimenopause and menopause that you will have. Mm. So we spoke previously around, I just want to look into that mental health piece mm. because, you know, hormone fluctuations um, really do have a direct impact on our mood. Mm. So when women are going through this and they're potentially in the perimenopause phase and they don't actually know that that's it, what is happening to them when they're going to their doctors and they're sort of saying that they're, you know, feeling down or they're having these mood swings. How are they being treated in the medical system? Is it, you know, are doctors really aware? Is it, you know, are we looking at, could it be this or are they treating them for other things? Yeah, look, um, really good question. And that research that I referred to, I was lucky enough um, to attend the um, Australasian Menopause Summit in the weekend just gone with Natalie, my business partner, and it's all new research. It's really coming through um, now. And what was pleasing is this is research that's been um, delivered to doctors and GPs and specialists. So um, it's really, I think, when women are looking to try and um, uh, see someone, you know, a specialist or a GP around, you know, what they think could be menopause, mm -hmm. it's really important to make sure that GP is, you know, has some knowledge around it. Um, there are some GPs that will say, look, it's not my area of expertise and and I think that's great because I'll, then they'll have people that they can refer them on to. But there are also some GPs that are um, many GPs that are well-versed in it. So there is, um, you know, I'm not a doctor, but there are some um, thoughts around possibly whether uh, antidepressants are the right course of um, uh, medicalisation, that treatment that needs to be done here. So I think the first point of call is that um, women go along to their doctor or specialist and, if, and, you know, always trust your gut as well. So, you know, if a doctor is sending you away saying, look, you know, here's a script for anti antidepressants and um, you know, sleep more or do this more. Um, they're all lifestyle things, obviously, but if they're not really getting to the crux of the problem, I would encourage listeners to, you know, to seek another specialist because often we hear so much about women saying, I just don't feel like they were getting to the, you know, uh, to the point of where I needed to be in relation to what I'm feeling. And mm. we've actually had clients that have gone on to, gone to different doctors and not been able to get to the, you know, where they needed to be in relation to treating how they're feeling. And then once they've worked with us and they've found different doctors that can actually treat them um, quite holistically mm. um, and, um, you know, through that medicalization, well, then it's a different thing altogether. And I will say too that menopause hormonal therapy, uh, you know, more in the doctor's realm, but there is a really good um, case for actually looking deeply into that and seeing yeah. if that, particularly suits that individual woman because there are some women that can't have that 
Um, but it definitely did feature in this um, research around its um, beneficial use and when women should possibly be thinking about starting it. Um, and again, you know, there was a lot of talk around looking at the lifestyle and family um, history behind these women and what they're feeling. So there's quite a number of things that they could be thinking of. Yeah. And so how does the menopause phase differ from the perimenopause? Does it just get a hell of a lot worse or do other factors come into play? Again, very individualised, but a lot of women find that once the, the hormones, you know, you know, because they're basically going from here, you know, if you think about pre-puberty, you're, you know, you've got very sort of low levels of hormones and then in puberty and beyond, they're up and they're up, you know, obviously, we are made to reproduce and um, but it's also even if you don't have children that hormonal health is a really good scorecard on where you are health health wise so um, then they sort of go up and then they and through that perimenopause phase they start going up and down there's this real erraticness happening Mm -hmm. and then you get to um, to menopause and they flatline again and there's just a nice hum going along there and you know um, and that's where you know, uh, things like your lifestyle and, and menopause hormonal therapy can really help. And they certainly don't look to, um, you know, encourage you to put the hormones back into the level of, in your body of what they were. It's just more yeah. about that humming and being able to um, support you. You know, we're living another 30, 40, some 50 years after yeah. peri- after menopause. So so they, you should see some of those symptoms subsiding. Unfortunately, mm. there are some people or some women that uh, still have some pretty full-on symptoms. But for the most, we, you know, my reading and my discussions with others shows that they they do peter out um, definitely. So, is there outside of hormonal therapy, what else can women do to support themselves and their bodies through this change? So much. <laughs> Well, that's good. And, yeah, so much. So lifestyle wiles is, you know, what our business is yeah. is, um, is built on. So we operate along um, the pillars of physical, mental, emotional, spiritual health and how they actually all come back to the self, being you the person. So, you know, when I talk about physical, I'm talking about um, movement, sleep, nutrition really you know they're they're big ones in relation to how women can manage themselves through this period and then they also um you know they also go towards that mental health as well and that emotional health so things like um you know obviously moving is great for our mental health so you know there's the connection there um the sleep is obviously really important for our emotional and mental health and and let's face it, in perimenopause, sleep can be very, very hard because a lot of women do find that that upset in hormones has a big bearing on, you know, mm. they would probably great sleepers beforehand and then this really upsets the apple cart. So um, definitely, you know, movement, exercise, yoga, um, breathing strategies um, and just getting out, you know, like there's some great research around healthy ageing that's just been um, released here in Melbourne um, by a um, Professor Cassandra Sazetsky and she's done a 30-year review of women that started back in the nine in the um, I was going to say the 1900s the um, uh, the late 1900s so you know 19 um, you know well this has been going on for that whole time frame <laughs> you know well, they should have this been is not a new phenomenon then. 
That's right. But she's followed these women over a 30-year period and what she's found is that movement for healthy ageing um, is the number one thing that we should be doing. And it's, you know, no surprise there. Her book's amazing, a very easy read, and, but what it does tell us, it reaffirms all the things that we know that we should be doing or actively making part of our regular habits. So, you know, eating leafy greens, she, you know, there's no one diet that's amazing. Um, you know, a Mediterranean way of eating is probably the most fantastic way that we could be really he um, helping ourselves through this healthy ageing period of our lives. And it becomes even more important once we hit perimenopause to making sure we're, we're not smoking, mm. we're moving our bodies, we're sleeping well, we're eating well. Um, yeah, the list goes on. So all that lifestyle and even that spiritual health, which a lot of people would akin to being quite woo-woo. Um, and, you know, Natalie and I always have a bit of a joke about it, but Nat's more the spiritual uh, partner in, in our business relationship. But I love it. You know, I think taking time out to really honour yourself and doing some meditating or mindfulness or all of those things um, is very spiritual, but it actually has a flow-on effect to helping with your mental health your physical health and your emotional health. So they're all interconnected. So if you can sort of think about four little overlapping circles that are those pillars I talked about and a self in the middle, um, and, and it's really important that women and men um, actually work out, you know, okay, so I'm going to concentrate a little bit more on my physical health. And then from that can be a real, um, you know, I get that right, I'm sleeping better and then my mental health or my emotional health improves so really really important during this time and I'm glad you brought it up because the medicalization of menopause isn't just what we should be looking at as an um, a solution here mm. um, I see a menopause specialist myself and the biggest thing that she will say is that I can prescribe and help you through that medicalization of menopause but it's no good doing it unless you are actively doing the lifestyle elements that go hand in hand. You can't have one without the other, um, you know, the MHT without the lifestyle um, yeah. and, and expect that, you know, not to see any, any gains in relation to how you're feeling and how you're going about your day. Yeah. What really comes up with me there is giving women the permission to look after themselves absolutely because you know I always think your vibe affects your tribe right how we yes. show up and I am woo you know I will say I'm a Reiki master so this kind of space is very natural to me um yeah. but how we show up yes it's you know looking after ourselves is great for us but beyond that how we're showing up every day whether it's at work or at home it does have a ripple effect on those mm -hmm. around us so the more we look after ourselves, the better it is actually for everyone around us. So, you know, we should take, you know, that time and almost be selfish in self-care and in making sure that, you know, we're looked after because if we're looked after, then, you know, particularly as, you know, as a woman or a mother within a family, you know, we do often do so much within that family unit that that ripple effect is only going to have a positive effect on everyone around us. You are bang on there, um, Rebecca. It's funny because um, I always say a few things coming into my head as you're talking there. Happy mum, happy sons. Happy wife, happy life. Right? <laughs> yeah. And and my kids know it, and my family. And you know, I'm lucky. I, I can afford it that time to take that 
time out for self-care because it's really important for me and how I function. And funnily enough, Natalie and I run these um, monthly Thrive uh, networking sessions with a bunch of uh, business women and it's all about supporting them in their business because if they're not thriving, well, their business isn't thriving. Mm -hmm. And this was the exact topic of conversation yesterday about um you know, about burnout and taking time out to have that self-care. And that's very much a lot. Uh, um, what the work that we do is around taking out that self-care, taking time out to actually put these lifestyle elements into your day, mm-hmm. week, month, whatever it looks like. You know, is it, t- it could be just taking 30 minutes out to read a book that you love or having a hot bath. And you know, it's nothing difficult. It's just mm-hmm. that we tend to look after everyone else. We can tell you what X, Y, Z, you know, son, daughter is doing, what their health is like, and we're caring all about them. But we're forgetting to care about ourselves. And it's the way, it's that it's that history that's happened before us in relation to how we think that we should be doing life. And as Natalie would say, we're shooting all over. Um, and we need to actually come back to ourselves and put that self-care element in there um, definitely. So it's a good point. Before, I, we're going to um, pause here and we're going to actually do another session on menopause in the workplace because we're almost run, t- run out of time for this session, but we will definitely do a part two. So we it will be linked in the comments below. Um but just on, if we could just wrap up this one, could you just let us know um, what you do at um, within your business um, and how that helps women in particular in terms of their self-care? And then we will uh, drop into session two and we'll talk about menopause in the workplace. Beautiful. Um, so our business is um, we work online and in person um, and we basically do one-on-one coaching with women um, and we have coached a few men and a few kids as well, um, but generally work with women around that one-on-one coaching, um, group coaching, in the nutritional um, mindset, mental health, wellness areas. Um, we Natalie does yoga she does online yoga so there's that movement element coming through and there's very much that um, emotional health and mental health that we also do through our coaching so primarily through the coaching and then we also do workplace um, um, services which we'll talk about when we catch up next amazing thank you so much lisa all of lisa's details will be in the comments below so if you are looking for support then definitely reach out and come back for part two thank you thank you for listening to find out more about how trio can support your people visit trio.com